If you are grade school age, you can head off with Dr. Shauna. And I wanted to mention also, um, in your bulletin, you would have noticed that SAMS, the SAMS group, our senior adult ministry, has a function coming up. And uh, you need to sign up in the back of the room today so that Kathy can know exactly how uh, to prepare for that group. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to jump into a brand new series called Times and Seasons. And I'm going to share a bunch of different scriptures with you today, but where I would like to focus in on is two scriptures that I'd like you to follow along with me. One of those is in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, open it to Luke 15 and put a ribbon marker or one of those plethora of bulletin handout sheets there and put that there um, uh, to Luke chapter 15. And then once you have found Luke 15, turn to the Old Testament. Look for the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3 and Luke 15. We're going to jump into Ecclesiastes 3 before we get to Luke 15. So, do you guys all recognize that seasons begin and seasons end? Um, The fall season is dwindling. Um, The temperature feels a lot like winter, but my front yard looks a lot like fall. In fact, if, if it's still dry when I get home, I'm going to put the backpack blower on and try to get leaves to the street before the city of Amherst comes and sucks them up this week, I hope. But seasons change. In fact, for Kristen, uh, uh, Kristen's favorite season, in fact, you might have a, a favorite season, fall, spring, summer, winter. Kristen's favorite season, and my favorite season, is the fall. And one of the things about when we were closing on our house in Amherst that was bothering Kristen a little bit, because we closed on September 24th, but we didn't really get the keys until October 1st. And so she was like, I'm going to miss almost all of fall, all of my fall decorations. Well, she got all of her fall decorations out anyway. And they're up. And uh, within a couple of weeks, we'll probably put them down and bring the Christmas decorations out. But so, and you may decorate. In fact, we, have, we had a neighbor at the apartment complex who decorated for everything from, from Halloween. And she was really good. We, we actually ran into her the other day uh, at Hobby Lobby picking up her Christmas decorations. Um, so you may mark seasons by the way that you decorate. Uh, you may be uh, really uh, Christmas season might be like one of your favorite seasons. Um, let me ask you a, a personal question here about Christmas um, because some of you probably like me have Sirius XM radio on your cars and you may have noticed that the Christmas station is already up. How many of you are already listening to Christmas music? Come on, don't be shy. Okay. Some of you are bold enough to say. Um, my rule of thumb is, in, in fact, it's on my, it pops up automatically because I save it, right? And, and, and it's there. And I've been tempted to listen to Christmas music, but it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And so my rule of thumb is I'm going to try to wait until the day after Thanksgiving to listen to Christmas music. But if you want to, you can. Um, if, you, if you have a, if you have a closet full of ugly Christmas sweaters and, you're, and you've been thinking since I mentioned it, which one am I going to wear on that Sunday where, and, and you just like to wear ugly Christmas sweaters all holiday season, you know, if you would like to start wearing yours, I would encourage you to wait till after Thanksgiving, but hey, I've seen worse. So go ahead. So there are all kinds of seasons. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty excited about one season that we're in right now. Uh, high school basketball season is beginning. 
uh, and I'm a high school basketball official, and I was able to get certified in the state of Ohio already, and so I've, I've done a handful of, of scrimmages, and games are starting, and so um, I, I love high school basketball. I love to officiate, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that, but then there are also seasons of life. Um, there are those seasons when you may be a newlywed, where you just got married, and you're starting to put your life together with this person that God gifted you with. Um, maybe you're in a season where you were wishing you were wed. You were wishing you would find that, that person that God intended for you. And maybe you're in a season where you were wishing you weren't wed. You're like, I don't know if I want to be married still. I mean, come on, right? Um, there are different other seasons, like um, seasons when uh, it seems like one baby keeps coming after another and you have small children. For Kristen and I, this, that season for us, it was we had Tucker in, in July of, two, of 1996, and then in uh, September of 1998, we had Dawson, and then we, we thought that our seasons of babies was over. And then all of a sudden in 2007, nine years later, God has a really crazy weird sense of humor, and all of a sudden we have Quinlan. And so um, if God didn't control the seasons of babies, um, maybe I would be an empty nester now, but I'm not. In fact, I'm, I have a full nest right now. In fact, my daughter Dawson and Cody, her husband, have moved here to Ohio. They're right here. They're with us today. They have moved in with us. And so um, I'm, I, I could have been an empty nester right now, but I have a 14-year-old and my adult daughter and her husband have moved in with us along with their two dogs a cat and a chinchilla and so we have a full house full house Kristen and I said we're going to downsize thankfully the Lord showed us a house that is barely fitting everything and 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 in fact my daughter said on the way here she was driving from Oregon to Ohio and she stopped in the town we lived in in South Dakota and was tempted to buy a puppy and I told her that if she would have bought that puppy her stuff would have been in a driveway waiting for her when she got here Seasons of teenagers. Do you have teenagers in the house? And how challenging. I have one of those, and it's challenging. Maybe you're in that empty nest season, and you kind of wish that your nest was full again. You're, you're kind of missing those uh, children running around. There's our, there are seasons of change. Man, moving clear across the country, season of change. Maybe a, a career change, a job change. We can go through seasons of famine. When it seems like there's just not enough. There's just not enough to go around. And then there are seasons that we go through that are seasons of plenty. Seasons of provision. It seems as if God has opened the floodgates and is pouring blessing down upon you. There can be life changes that create a new season. The loss of a loved one. Going through a divorce. Um, separation. There can be uh, seasons of life that are extremely difficult because of a, a health change, a diagnosis, a breast cancer diagnosis, a colon cancer diagnosis. Someone has a stroke in your family. Um, I went through a season of taking care of my father when, when he fell ill and, and, and wasn't able to live on his own anymore and had to kind of, kind of manage the season of life he was in. And then there are seasons, you know, when you just seem to not be making it at all. I, I just don't know if I'm going to make it through this season I'm in. And then we have seasons where you're just flying through this season. You're just, you're making it. You're hitting every mark and every step. 
Let me ask you a question about the different seasons that you may have experienced. Do, do, you, feel, do you ever feel pressured to seize every season? I mean, I think moms probably, this would speak to you. You know, especially when your children are young. You want to seize every one of those moments. And then as a parent later in life, you're, you're wanting to let go of every one of those moments. Just go. Everybody, just move, right? Do you feel like you need to seize every season? I mean, do you feel like every Christmas season when it comes around that that's going to be the season? My mom, Christmas was her thing. And I know that I've, I've talked to some of you and, and some of you, that's, it's very similar. You know, Christmas season is your mom's thing. And, and it's just, it's just this, like, this huge, huge thing. That's how my mom was. Sometimes we go through seasons that are difficult. And we wish that they would pass quickly. But the beauty of seasons is they come and they go. As fall winds down, there's going to be a new one coming next year. You know, and as winter begins, it will end. I promise you. Some seasons are great. Some seasons are just good. And some seasons are bad. Sometimes we love the season that we're in. And often we loathe the season that we're in. Now, Scripture, it gives us a beautiful picture of seasons, especially in the framework of who God is and, and how God wants to interact in our lives. There's a beautiful Scripture in Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And you need to understand kind of the context. The book of Ecclesiastes was re- written by King Solomon. And Solomon, is, is been, he's been defined as the wisest man he was, in fact, he wrote the book of Proverbs, the wisdom books. And, and, and so Solomon, he's a king and he's incredibly wise and he has everything he could possibly imagine. He has no needs. But he discovers something along the seasons of life that he goes through. No matter how much he has, no, how, no matter how successful he is or how, how much wisdom he has, he always comes back to this longing for something that he doesn't have. There's always something missing. He has everything he needs. He has all the land. He has all the wealth. He has all the servants. He has everything he needs, but there's still something missing. And, and, and he begins to write this, this book of Ecclesiastes when he's in one of this, these seasons where he's in this evaluation process, when he's evaluating that I have everything, but I seem to be missing everything as well. I, I've, I've, I've given myself every pleasure. I've given myself everything, but yet I still feel like there's something missing. And he writes this beautiful piece of Scripture. And in this, in this whole process, he discovers something. He, dis, he discovers that, that in every season, and he discovers that in every provision, in every time of, of famine or plenty, in everything, no matter what he has, how much he's accumulated, no matter what success or how smart or wise he is, he realizes that it's all meaningless without his relationship with God and how God provides. And see, he discovers that, that without God, no matter what you have or what you don't have, you can't be really happy, truly happy. But with God, no matter how much you have or how much you don't have, you can still find joy. You can still be happy. And we learn the most important thing about life from, from Solomon in his view, he, he, he discovered 
that this perspective on life and the seasons of life that we go through, that without God, they're all meaningless. But with God, they can be, they can be beautiful. Even in those difficult, miserable seasons, with God, there can be value. There can be beauty. And you can learn and grow in them. And Solomon says this about seasons in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. It says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Honey, we didn't throw away enough stuff when we moved here. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time of war, and a time of peace. See, Solomon is stating that God, check this out, that God superintends every season we encounter and experience. And he lists pretty much every kind of season you go through, and that God's sovereignty, he superintends every one of those. Every season we go through, God allows it. God orchestrates it. God originates it. Here's some additional insight in regards to seasons, especially in the life of a believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might, get to, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. That God brings everything together, the fullness in the fullness of times. In other words, Solomon says that it's often hard or difficult to, difficult to see what God is doing in the seasons of our lives. And Paul is saying that now that the Christ has been born, born that, that, that Christ has died and raised, has been raised to life again, that every season is God's season. Every season belongs to God. Every season God intends for His good and perfect purpose for our lives. Essentially, what we're saying is that no matter what season you're in right now, No matter what you're experiencing right now, there is divine planning that goes along with it. There's a divine plan being orchestrated for the time of life that you're in right now. Here's one more scripture. Daniel, the prophet Daniel said this in Daniel 2, 20 and 21. He said, Blessed be the name of of God forever and ever, For wisdom and might are His, and He changes the times and seasons. 
So here it is, folks. God superintends your seasons. There is divine planning in the season you're in. And no matter how much you try, you can't change that season because God changes that season. God schedules every season in our lives. The challenge is He doesn't post. There's no app for that. God doesn't post. Hey, hon, changing the season in your life soon. Hey, Scott, i got a change coming for you. I, I love basketball season, uh, and I love this. There's an app that I have on my phone. It's, it's, it's right here, and it's, uh, it's called Arbiter Sports. And, oh, i got to look at it. Try it again. There I am. It tells me my games. It gives me a schedule of everything I've accepted. And what it will do is, is it'll, it'll pop up a, a notification. You have, a, you have an upcoming game. Like sometime today it will pop up to me and remind me that I've got to go to Brunswick tomorrow to do a girls basketball scrimmage. But there's no app for God giving us this notification that He's going to change our seasons. We just have to wait on God to do His will and to enact His will in our lives. There's no app for God's seasons. So not only does God schedule, but He also determines the purpose for every season that we go through. And what we need to do is we must learn to live and learn and grow through every one of those seasons. Let me ask you this. What do you do with your seasons? I mean, have you ever been in a season where you're like, man, I wish I could just skip this season? Can I just get a pass? Can we push a button? Beth has an easy button on her, on her desk in the office. It doesn't work. Do you do this sometimes? Do you look at the season that someone else might be in and long for their season? Would you, would you, would you like to trade with someone else? See, in this series, the series titled Times and Seasons, what I, what I hope it does is challenge us to simply look past maybe even the season we're in and trust that God is in control and He has a season for us ahead that will be good and it will be perfect for us. See, the thing with seasons are, and especially the seasons that we go through in life, is that we need to embrace them. Do you know that you may be in a very difficult season right now and you might not want to embrace it. You might want to skip it. But there might be something in this season that if you will embrace it, that God will teach you or God will show you or reveal to you that will change everything and in fact might even be the catalyst to move you from the current season you're in into the next season that God has planned for you. But if you loathe it, if you despise it, if you try to skip it, if you look at someone else's season hoping to trade, or if you put yourself in someone else's story and not your own, you may miss the very thing that God wants you to learn so that you can enter into the next season He has in store for you. So let me give you three thoughts about seasons. The first one is this. Every season has its struggles. Every season has struggles that you can see, but it also has struggles that you can't see. So thankfully, Solomon, he tries to encourage us. He, he kind of puts a preacher hat on. Um, in fact, I hope that when you come to church on Sundays that you're encouraged. Even, 
in a message, sometimes when I preach a message that might be a little bit uh, more of a corrective kind of message or, or where God is speaking discipline over his people because when God spoke discipline over the people in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, we share it with you. That's God speaking that same discipline over us. We're not just like listening to someone else's story. We should be part of the story as well. And so I hope that you're always encouraged, even in the moments where God corrects. But thankfully, Paul or, or, uh, Solomon puts on his, his preacher hat a bit, and he tries to be encouraging. In fact, in verse 11, he said, he said this about seasons. He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. It is so encouraging to hear that regardless of the season you're in, whether it's difficult, it's, it's the one you would have chosen, that God says it's beautiful. And you're like, it's not beautiful, God. It, it's not a good season. But God says it is. God speaks this encouraging word over every season we're in, regardless of it's a, whether it's a season of plenty or a season of famine, whether it's a series, season of illness or a season of health. It, Solomon also says he has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work of God that, that, that God does from the beginning to the end. And what he means there is, is no matter what season you're in, God holds eternity. So this is temporary, but what God provides is eternal. But you may be sitting here this morning and you may have kind of found yourself in, in, in this discussion and said, okay, I am. I understand the, the, this concept of seasons and, 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 I, and I recognize that I'm probably in a particular season. And you may be sitting here and you're, you're being like, but pastor, my season is not beautiful. It, it just is not beautiful. It is not a good season. And, and you may even be saying that every time my season seems to get a little bit of a break, um, I notice someone else's season and theirs is better than mine. And it puts me back in this place where I don't see the beauty in the season I'm in. Do you do, you do that? Do, do, do you, even in, even in blessed moments, do you see someone else that may be more blessed than you and it messes with your blessing and it messes with your season? Do you look at, at other people's seasons and envy them? I remember when I was pastoring in Roseburg, we had a, a, a young family in our church, and um, most people didn't know their journey to childbirth, but, but, but um, she had had, um, Stephanie had had a couple of miscarriages, even middle-term miscarriages, and it just seemed like a real struggle. Well, they finally got pregnant, and she was able to have the baby, and the Sunday that we dedicated the baby, uh, I, I kind of felt like there were, you know, in all of those situations, because when you dedicate a baby in a room this size, and ours was even larger than that at the time, that there's probably women that have struggled with childbirth. Maybe someone right in the room that day that was dealing with the loss of a child through miscarriage. And here we're celebrating this little Harper, uh, Harper's dedication that day. And there could be envy in the season of that parent being able to dedicate a child. But Stephanie was so beautiful because she shared the story of her, I was able to read the story of her miscarriages. And I think that potentially it ministered to somebody. But oftentimes we see somebody 
celebrating the birth of a child and we have struggled to do that. Or we see somebody getting married and we struggled to find that person. Or we see somebody seemingly in the, a beautiful season of marriage, but they don't see what goes on behind closed doors, do they? Uh, and they see somebody else's marriage and they think their marriage is perfect. And they envy someone else's season. Do you look at, do you do, you do that? See, the problem is when we, when we observe someone else's season from the outside looking in, we only see the highlights. We only see the best moments of that person's season. Like with Stephanie, if she hadn't shared that story about her miscarriages, someone in the audience may have just seen that blessed moment and not the heartbreaking moments, right? See, if we just see the highlights, we, we don't see what God has done in those difficult moments. We don't see those growing times. We don't see those, those moments of, of famine or need. In, in the Bible, God often operates in seven-year cycles, seven-year seasons, and because seven marks completion for God. Did you know that? That the number seven for God marks completion. Find that in the creation story and, and in other places. It's funny because in my faith, in my Christian life, in my journey to Christ, He has operated in seven-year seasons. It's just, it, it's bizarre how God has done this in my life. And, and let me kind of highlight those for you. In, in 1993, I got married. And uh, Kristen and I, we got married in 1993. And that began a season in my life where I did not know God, but God's God's, God's grace was working in my life ahead of, you know, and he, he is, and, and he was working ahead. And so I went through this season of, of searching. He, he put me in a place where I had to have conversations with coworkers about God. And he put me in this season of searching. Then he took me through, during that seven years, a season of starving. I was longing for something more. I was longing for something else and a season of seeking. And so from 1993 to 2000, I was, this, I was searching and starving and seeking. And then in April of 2000, I met Jesus. And that began another brand new season. And that season was a season of being saved. And a season where God began to call me into full-time ministry. And a season where God grew me. For seven years at the church that we, we were part of in Eugene, Oregon, I grew and I, and I was mentored by others and and I was held accountable by pastors, and, and, I, and I started to pursue Bible college online, and God just did this incredible work of preparing our family to go into full-time ministry. And so believe it or not, seven years after this journey began, when I got saved, God moved us into full-time ministry, moved us from Oregon to South Dakota to be the youth pastor of a church in a little town called Mitchell, South Dakota. And that started another season. So from, from, from years 8 to 14, God had me in this church in Mitchell where he placed me to provide for me, to provide for our family a change and, and a new beginning. And, and, and he matured me and he grew me during that time. And unbelievably, I mean, how does God do this so many times in a row? Year 21, he, 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 he begins this season of change again. And he calls us back home to Oregon to serve in the church that we served in until we moved here. 
And can you believe? It, it just it makes no sense. It, it just it makes no sense that in 2014, uh, another seven years, we ended up in Oregon, and now here we are, moving into 2020. You know, the con- conclusion of 2021, and I'm here, and it's been seven years, and God just keeps operating in these seven-year cycles, which I, I want to tell you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable in front of you this morning. When that seven-year mark rolls around in my life, I start to worry. I'm like, what? Where are we going now, God? What are you doing now? And so, in fact, I was with Sean Klein yesterday. We went and visited a friend, and and, uh, I was telling Sean on the way back, um, you know, if the Lord's willing, He can keep me here as long as I I want the next seven, the, the next seven sevens or whatever, to just be, hey, keep on keeping on where you are. You know, that's that's my prayer, because. Uh, I don't want to pack up again. I don't want to move again. But God always has a plan, right? But it's just crazy how God has worked in these seven-year cycles in our lives. Let me ask you, what makes seasons so unique for you? Because I think every season we go through is unique. Every single one of those seasons that Kristen and our family has gone through have been unique. There's been struggles. There's been difficulties. But there's also been perfection and beauty. Regardless of who you are where you're at in life if you can begin to understand this i think that we can become that much more equipped to accept the season we're in if you can understand that god intends them that god orchestrates them that he originates them and do you know that what god begins he doesn't screw up he makes perfection and if god begins a season in your life he will Fulfill it in your life. Your role is to be obedient and content in that season. Regardless of who you are, appreciate the season you're in. And we may long for a more positive season, more productive season. We might even kind of look over the fence of the neighbor's yard and look at their pool and go, gosh, I'd like to have a pool. If I had a pool, I wouldn't have to mow the yard as much, right? right? That's what my neighbor said. He said, yeah, you got a big yard, Scott, and that's why I got a pool in my backyard. He, I said, but a lawnmower is cheaper than a pool. <laughs> I don't even know how to swim, so and that doesn't give you the permission to throw me in the water somewhere. And here's the thing. Understanding that God controls our season and God originates them and that God has a plan for them, it should set us free from envying someone else's season. For instance, if you're single and you long to be married, stop longing for what someone else has. Stop looking at what someone else has and allow God to reveal to you what He has for you. And if you're married and you long to be single, stop it. (laughs) Come talk to me. I can help you with that a little bit. Here's another example of a season. When we moved to South Dakota, everybody was like, oh, we were so looking forward to the snow because in Oregon, we don't get white Christmases. And they're like, oh, white Christmas is beautiful. Like, the thing we discovered after being there is, is people might have talked nice about the snow early on, but they, they cursed it later. You know what I've noticed? Not one of you said, oh, it's so beautiful around here during Christmas time. Not one of you, has, not one, not one single Ohioan has told me, you can't wait for the snow, Pastor. All I hear is that lake effects. We just don't want lake effect snow. We're praying against it. Yeah, snow's pretty. 
until you live there, and then you have to throw it. And sometimes seasons are like that. That season looks good until you live it, and you've got to endure it. See, and here's the other thing. You can't live in someone else's season. Every season has its struggles. Every season has struggles that you can and cannot see. And so don't want to live in someone else's season because you may just be seeing the highlights, but you didn't get to see the lowlights. And those lowlights for them might have been worse than your lowlights ever have been. Even beautiful seasons have a different look and feel when we live in them. It's kind of like it's the difference between renting a house and buying a house. When you rent a house, something breaks, you call somebody, they come fix it. When you own a house, it breaks, you better get out the checkbook. You better get out the hammer and the saw. You, you better get, you're fixing it. It's yours. The struggles in our seasons are part of God's natural plan for our lives. In each one of these seven-year seasons that I've experienced, there were struggles. And there were beauty. And here's the thing. Every one of those seasons, I measured them. This is how I've measured them. And we've gone through some really challenging moments. Here's how I've measured each and every one of them. God is so good. God is so faithful. I can't believe how he's worked. I can't believe how he's moved. I don't focus on the negative. I don't dwell on the hurt and the wounds. I celebrate the positive things. Celebrate the growth. Now the enemy, on the other hand, they want us to long for someone else's season. They want us to, to think we're missing out on everything. We're missing out on, on, on you know what? We, we find ourselves missing out on things. And when we, when we feel like we miss out on things, we look ahead and we miss what's right in front of us. See, the purpose for your season Maybe the season you're in right now is so that God can develop your potential for His purpose. God has something right now for you that, that He wants to do in your life that will prepare you for what's ahead. And if you miss it, you will miss the key, the key thing, potentially, to, critical, to a critical area of growth in your life. There's something that you need to learn, and it might be ahead of you. But if you don't go through the steps you're in right now, you might miss it completely. See, all these seasons that God puts in our lives, they are designed to prepare us for what's next, to look ahead. So remember this. You can't live in someone else's season, and they can't live in yours. Amen? There's a second thought. Every season is shaped by what you say about it. So let's talk about the season you're in right now. Daniel says that God changes our seasons. And there are seasons that we go through that we can't get through until God changes them. For example, in South Dakota, that ministry, my ministry there, that I believe as a pastor, you don't ever move until God releases. You have to be released. So I promise you, as your pastor, I will never hear through the grapevine that some other church is open and go, how could I put my resume over there? How could I get my name? How could I get... Do, do, do you think somebody will consider me there? No. I will never consider doing anything differently than what God has called me to do right here and right now unless God clearly releases or speaks, moves. So in South Dakota, we had to wait until God said, 
It's timed. And in this decision, there was a season, I went, entered into a season where God spoke and God said, I want you to be open. And he was so very particular about how he wanted us to be open for this next transition. So we, we listen for God. And then when God speaks, we respond. In fact, I think that when you're in between seasons or near the end of one, waiting for the new one to begin, I think the way we end a season has a lot to do with how we begin the next one. I think if you don't end well, you're not going to begin well. And that's the thing. I think we have to recognize that, that in every season, recognize that the way you close will, will either open the doors that God intends for you or just might even send you, send you into a season of waiting. See, I think the best way to get that God changes the seasons is to always be obedient in the season you're in right now. If you want God to move you, if you got, want God to bless you, if you want God to do something new in your life, then you better be obedient in the season you're in right now. Remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He's made everything beautiful in his time. You can't control the season, but you can, tr- you can trust the one that does. Is there anyone here who thinks that you're in control of your season? Whew. There are control freaks in the world. Maybe we don't have a single one in our room. That's awesome. Oh, Beth, or <laughs> Kelly, you're... you're you're, you're one. Kelly's the only one. Let's pray for her. No, you're not. You're not. You're just the only one brave enough to raise your hand. But let me tell you, you cannot control your own season. But we can trust the one who does. Let me ask you this. What are you saying about the season you're in right now? Are you talking bad about it? Are, are, are you telling everybody how miserable life is? Or are you seeking God for provision? Are you seeking God for wisdom to deal with the adversity? See, our response to the question, how are you speaking of the season you're in, will ultimately dictate the way we perceive the season we're in. I, I think what separates people who walk by faith with God and those who don't is how we choose to talk about the season we're in. If you know that God is in control, ultimately in control, you can go through the worst, the worst loss and still see God blessing you can go through the worst medical diagnosis and still praise god you can go through the most beautiful season the most blessed season and not take credit for it but give glory to god those that walk by faith so what are you saying about the season you're in for instance god can place us in the midst of a beautiful season but we can see it as a burden because that is the only way we know how to speak about our season. Do you ever know somebody like that? They can, they can be on the mountaintop, and, and the way they talk about it, they're in the valley. And you're like, I don't understand how you can be so blessed, but yet you talk so negatively about the season that you're in. Because what we say about our season will determine the way that we experience our season. Your season will take on the characteristics of the description that you put over it. So if you call it beautiful, it will become beautiful in your eyes. It's the most difficult season you ever go through in life. You can call it beautiful, it will be beautiful in your eyes. 
I mean, Christmas is a beautiful time of year. Except the year after you lose your mom. But if you say it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be beautiful. My, my Christmas seasons are beautiful every year because I have this Santa that my mother bought in a little toy store in Eugene, Oregon. And when, when, when it was time for her to get rid of stuff, she, she, said, she asked my sister and I, what do you want? And I wanted that Santa. And I wanted the reindeer and the sleigh that go with it. And every year I take it and put it out and I display it somewhere and it brings every memory, good and beautiful memory of my mom. Every one of those. Not the night that she passed. It brings all those good ones back. So if you call it beautiful, if you see the beauty in it, it will be beautiful. We need to speak optimistically of the season we're in. The best way to see the opportunity in your season is to speak optimistically about it. We need to stand up in the season and call it beautiful. Because if you call it beautiful, instead of a burden, you will see the beauty and it will change the way you experience that season. And every season is shaped by the way we speak about it. You know what happens when we speak the right way about seasons? Not only is it good, but we see God's will and ways in that season. And then when we see His will and ways, it is so much easier for us to align with His will and ways, to come into to harmony with what God is doing. In other words, the things we say shape our perspective and our perspective points us toward God's perceptions. When our perspective becomes divine perception, we're able to see God's purpose. By choosing to speak of our season in accordance to God's perception, not our feelings, we'll begin to see our seasons in an entirely different light. Because God makes all things beautiful. We're all beautiful. Did you know that? I mean, you might have looked in the mirror this morning and was like, oh, man, this is rough. No, you're gorgeous. God, he made you just the way he wanted you. Therefore, he is not waiting to give us a beautiful season in the future. Instead, he has you in one right now that even if it's difficult, is still beautiful. It's still beautiful for what you can learn and what you can gain and how you can grow and how you can lean and trust in Him during it. Did you know that God gives you the power to label your life with the way you speak of it? And what we say about it will become the way you see it. If your marriage stinks and you talk bad about it all the time, that's how your marriage is going to be. But if, if your marriage is struggling and you begin to speak beauty over your marriage, you, be able, you, you, you speak words of value over your husband or your wife, it will change. You will begin to see it in a different way. But if you speak from your flesh, or if you let Satan's dialogue over your marriage be what you hear, then your marriage will be ugly. What God designed for beauty, your perception of it will not be what God designed it to be. See, what we say about it will become the reality. What we say about our season will determine the way we experience it. And here's our last thought. Every season has its strengths that you can seize. 
Every season has a strength you can seize. And if we don't take the opportunity to seize the strengths in our current season, we may miss the opportunities to maximize the season we're in. And we miss it because we're discontent in the season we're in. And there might be some of you right now, you're in a season of life and you're discontent. You're like, this is not where I wanted to be. This is not how I thought things would end up. Do you know what discontentment does? Discontentment blinds us to the strength that God is providing to us. Unfortunately, our discontentment allows our perspective to drift to the point where we lose sight of God. And when we lose sight, we can't feel Him. We can't hear Him. And we miss what God is doing. And we miss the opportunity He's preparing and providing for us. Discontentment will always diminish God's strength in you. And you have to fight against it. You have to fight against discontentment, recognizing that you have God's strength to overcome it. We need to seize the strength and stay close to God. The best way to seize the strength is to be patient and trust God's timing. Don't try to work it out on your own. We have to refuse to wish away the season that we're in because it's hard, because it's difficult. We have to resist, start the, 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 the desire to stare forward, and we have to trust God's timing. To close, I want to share with you just briefly the story of two brothers who we see uh, in, in this story. It's such a familiar story. You're going to know it. And if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. I think it's funny about, you know the thing I think that there's, that's funny about this story? We always, the heading in most Bibles says the story of the prodigal son. But they don't recognize, the, the, the brother should be in the headline too. The story of the prodigal son and the older brother. But they, they kind of neglect him until the very end. And then they paint him out to be kind of a, a jerk. But anyway, we're going to take a look at these two brothers. And we're going to learn something about the seasons that God has for us. So let's, let's focus first on the younger brother, because he's the one, he's the rags to riches story, right? He's the one where we celebrate, right? So let's start with the younger brother. In, in, in Luke 15, verse 11 and 12, we read this. In this, the context of the story is there's a man who has two brothers, a very wealthy man, has two brothers. The younger brother gets tired of working on the farm, working in the family business. He wants to, he wants to go sow his oats. He wants to make his way in the world. So he goes to his father and he asks for his inheritance. He says, I want my inheritance early. And before you think, well, that's really bold, it was custom. You could do that. You could go ask for your inheritance early and the father would give it to you. And, he, and so he comes and he asks his father for inheritance. It, it, was, it was the son's timing, not the father's, but the son's timing, give me what is due to me. And the son takes his fortune and he goes into the big city and he makes a mess of it, okay? And this is where we pick up. Said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, "Give me the portion of goods that falls to me." And so he divided to them his livelihood. So now the son goes into town, goes into the big city, and he and and as we read, we discover that in short order, it sounds like short order in the story, this son blows everything: wine, women, song, to the point where he is now no job, no money, working for a man slopping pigs he's longing to eat with the pigs the the, the 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 owner says here go feed the pigs and this young man who had everything just a little bit ago is now wanting to eat what the pigs are eating because he's got nothing else 
Finally, this young man comes to his senses, and he says, I got I to gotta, I gotta go home. This, I've made a mess of this. I'm going to go home. And so he decides to go home, and the end of the story is the father celebrating the return of the son. But I want to highlight a couple things about this son's request and, and how it connects to a season of life. See, this son, he wanted something his father wanted him to have, but before the father wanted him to have it. The son was looking at a season that he wasn't yet ready for. And he said, God, Father, give it to me now. See, here's the thing. If you get a blessing before it's time, it won't be beautiful. It'll end up being a burden. It'll end up being something that you ruin or you spoil. I got a buddy at home, referee basketball with. His dad was a doctor, owned a couple of restaurants and bars, and, and his father passed away, and, and, and he was an only child, and so he inherited everything, everything. And instead of getting some help to manage that estate and everything, my buddy decided he wanted all the cash right now, so he sold everything. He sold everything, and by all the, what we, what we kind of figured was at the end of it, he had $13 million. Sold everything, and he had $13 million. My buddy decided it was important to build a house on a street called, get this, can't make this up, Why Worry Lane. That's the street name. Within three years, he was losing the house, had sold that one, moved to another one, spent too much money on that, Within another year, his wife was leaving him and he was sleeping on his friend's couches because all 13 million was gone. See, there was a blessing that became a burden because my buddy wasn't ready for that. And this young man that we find in the story of the prodigal son, same thing. His, his father had the blessing. It, 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 he had it. It was for him, but it wasn't in the right time. And this word is for somebody who is praying for something that God doesn't intend for you to have right now. Not never, just not now. It wasn't what he wanted that was the problem. It was when he wanted it. And that's what happens when we long to be in a different season. The problem that this young man had was he wasn't trusting the Father's timing. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. I want it all now. And what does he do? He loses it all. And he ends up returning anyway. Here's the beauty of who God is. You can do that. You can be in a season and you can force yourself into a new one and spoil it, mess it up, and return and God will help you and God will start a new season for you rebuild restore now let's look at the older brother the older brother gets such a bad rap poor guy here's what the word says about the older brother now his older son was in the field and he came to and draw, uh, he came and he drew near to the house and the younger brother had come home and the dad's throwing a party and he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and he asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother, you know, your brother 
took his half and went to town and blew it all, he's come home. And because he has received, your father has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But here's the brother missing the season that he's in. Verse 28, the brother says, it says, but he was angry and he would not go in. So therefore his father came out and he pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, says, lo, these many years I've been serving you. The season I've been in, I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you've never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as, but as soon as this son of yours came and, was de- and has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Essentially, here I've been working hard all my life for you, never done any of these things like my little brother did. And he comes home after spending half and you're throwing a party and you don't seem to value me at all. He had served his father for so many seasons. Yet he had, in his brain, in his thoughts, in his perspective, he had not received a blessing. He had not received a blessing like the inheritance and now a party. And here his brother is receiving all this again after spoiling everything else. See, he was kind of longing to be in his brother's season. And, and he's angry because he's like, don't you see what I've been doing for you all these years? The older brother is jealous of the younger brother's celebrated return. How does the father respond? Well, we find that in verse 31, and it says, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. You see, the season you've been in has been your blessing. Yeah, you've worked for me, and you've lived on the farm, but every, you look around. It's yours. This is the season I've wanted you to be in. While he longed for the attention that his younger brother received, he missed the fact that everything he desired was already at his disposal. So we have one son who doesn't trust his father's timing. Maybe that's you today. I mean, you're really trying to force your way into a new season. You hate this one so bad. You've spoken so badly over it. You just want, you want to change and you want it now. And then we've got a son who doesn't realize what was his this whole time. He is in the season that God wanted him to be in, and he's been there the whole time. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're you're exactly where God wants you to be, but for some reason you've been looking at someone else's season and envying it and wanting to go there yourself. It's not your season. Don't go there. See, the problem is, for both of these guys, they had trouble recognizing the season that God intended them for, uh, to, to be in. So here's the thing. Both of them needed to take their eyes off of what was right in front of them and fix their eyes on Jesus and allow Jesus to control their seasons. Are you waiting for God to turn your calendar? Maybe God's just waiting for you to make a choice to be obedient and to be content and to call your current 
season beautiful. Every season has its strength. Here's what we need to do. Instead of looking to fast forward through a difficult season, which we all want to do occasionally, or rewind to a more favorable season, how many would you would like to rewind to a more favorable season? Instead, we need to just take our turn and embrace the purpose of the season we're in right now. Right now. So I, I don't know where we are today, what season you may be in. God may be preparing you for a new season. And what you do right now will determine how you see, how he reveals, and how you embrace and move into that new season. God maybe has you in a season right now and you may feel like you're stuck. But I'm here to tell you today, you're not stuck. You're right where God wants you to be. And there's something God wants to show you or teach you that will prepare you for what's next. And some of you need to speak beautiful words and thoughts over the season you're in, whether it's your marriage, the way you're parenting, the job you have right now, the career choice, what's, what your current circumstances are, and what lies ahead. If you begin to call your marriage beautiful, it will be beautiful. If you begin to call your children beautiful, they will become, they will be beautiful. You need to change your perspective of the season that you're in right now. And God will, God will be faithful. Because he always, we wouldn't have time and time again these examples in his words that says, trust God. Trust God and he's faithful. Be content in the season you're in right now. Cherish the season. Seize the season you're in right now. And God will be faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today that you control our lives. Before we were even born, you had us all figured out. You know, your word talks about how um, my desires might dictate where I want to go, but the Lord directs my steps. And if, I, if I'm obedient to that, if I'm obedient to leaning in and seeking and desiring you for what's ahead for me, then God, you are faithful and we can trust you with that path. Help us, Lord, to resist the, 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 the human desire and sometimes the lie that Satan tells us that says, go this way or control that or take a, put a tighter grip on that or let go of this. When God, we need, to, we, we need to listen and focus on who you are and what you have in store for us. And Lord, if you have us in a season where you want us to, to, to be content, to call it beautiful, and to learn and grow, may we be open and obedient to that. And if you have, if, if you have us prepared and primed to move from one season to the other, may God, you give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to end well, so we can begin well. And it is through obedience that we will move from one to the other. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day. This is part one of a four-part series, Times and Seasons.